Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... What are you doing? You're putting yourself back under the law. When you say, I have to get better, you've been saved by grace through faith, you're putting yourself back under the law. Baptism is a matter of identification. It says to the world, I am now a follower of Jesus. I am united to Jesus. I have a new identity. I have put on new clothes. I am clothed in Christ. Today we come to the heart of the gospel. What is it? It is the incredibly good news that God adopts his own children, whomever puts their trust in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What makes it so incredible is that in adoption, it is the parents who decide to make the child part of the family. That means if you have trusted in his son, that God wants you in his family. The Apostle Paul explains how this works in Galatians chapter 3. So here's Pastor Jim to explain this incredible truth for all of us who believe. Galatians chapter 3. We got as far as chapter 3 up to and including verse 25. So just a quick recap. The Apostle Paul has been teaching the Galatians while um, the promise that was made to Abraham was permanent. The law of Moses was temporary. He explained that the law of Moses was a pedagogue, a a guardian, a babysitter. Uh, In that day, a, a, a pedagogue was a slave who raised a wealthy heir. So if you were a very wealthy fellow, you'd go off to your, you know, a business and you would have a pedagogue would raise your uh, children. These heirs, Paul's saying, become followers of Jesus Christ through faith. They become heirs to the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, false teachers had come into the churches in the area of Galatia, uh, southern Turkey area, and they were perverting the gospel, and they were saying it's okay to believe in Jesus, but there's other stuff that you need to add on. And particularly, they were adding on circumcision. Verse 26 really moves us into the heart of the Christian life, being adopted into the family of God, and then it naturally transitions us into chapter 4, which I'm sure hoping to get to some of it tonight. Verse 26, for you are all sons of God, and he's been talking about adoption, so we are sons through adoption, through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, uh, in Christ, that terminology in Christ is the Apostle Paul's favorite way to identify the reality of the Christian experience. We are people who are by faith in Christ. Christ is in us we are in him. Verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ. Now, I strongly believe that he's talking about by the Holy Spirit at the time of our conversion. However, 
some people identify the moment of their conversion with their baptism. If you get, if you get missionary letters, from, particularly from Asia or something like that, if someone does not really know the moment of their conversion, uh, and most people do not, uh, they will, in certain cultures, they will say, well, I believed and I was baptized. They didn't wait forever. They were baptized very quickly, and they would describe that as the moment of their conversion. So for as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, you have been clothed, in other words, with Christ. So verse 26, the Apostle Paul reminds us that being in Christ through faith alone, nothing else, we have come into a new relationship with God. Those of us who put our trust in Christ, we are now, as he writes here, all sons of God. That is an outcome of what we've been talking about, of being in union with Christ. I know it was a long time ago, but we've talked a lot about being in union with Christ. And the false teachers were fighting over who a son of Abraham actually was. And the Apostle Paul is way ahead of them. He's saying, you're talking about who a son of Abraham is. I'm talking about who is a child of God. I'm talking about something much deeper, much more important. Uh, We can now call God our Father, and when we can call our God our Father, we get the privileges of being a son or a daughter of the King, including a great inheritance, which will make the person who won the $521 million lottery look poor. Now, here's an important thing we have to remember. In adoption, who adopts? The parent or the child? The parent. Okay. So what the the Apostle Paul is using this language to show us that we cannot work our way into the family of God. We are received by grace through faith into the family of God. Now, a servant may get a paycheck, they may get some house privileges, but they are not legally family. But a child of God has been again brought into the family by the parent, receives the special parental love of the parent, sometimes the parental discipline of the parent, as they have entered into a new relationship for us with our Heavenly Father. Now, it's very interesting. He says here that um, we have been, uh, we are all sons through faith in Jesus Christ. Some people object to the use of that word sons, and if you have a 2011 NIV, which was not the most popular version out there, uh, it changed it from sons to, he said, you are all children of God. But unfortunately, that language, in terms of the historic culture, misses an extremely important point. So while trying to you know, include the ladies, you're going to include it. Don't get upset with me. You're like, hey, come on there, Pastor Jim. You were doing pretty good up till now. It misses an important point. In the ancient world, 
for the most, po- most part, boys inherited everything. The boys inherited everything. You say, what about the girls? They needed to marry wisely. And they still do. <laughs> so here the Apostle Paul is saying, those who believe or trust are all inheritors. What is he really saying? That the girls are now going to be treated like the sons. While on earth, the sons get the inheritance. When it comes to God, it is sons and daughters. Everybody gets the inheritance. So when you put in the 2011 NIV version, you kind of take out the punch of the, of the new thing that the Apostle Paul is trying to describe. Now, this is the radical nature of the gospel. The false teachers are saying you need to do certain rites, circumcision these guys, to become a child of God. Apostle Paul says, nope, not so. The culture of the day said you needed to be a man to inherit property and inherit the fortune of your father. Apostle Paul comes along, gospel comes along and says, nope, not true, not so. Now remember this, this will help us when we get to the controversy regarding verse 28. Verse 28 has wreaked a lot of havoc in the church, and it's wreaking a lot of havoc in the church right now because people don't realize that they take that one verse out of context and they're not realizing he's talking about inheritance. He's talking about becoming a child of God. Now, you say, but what about the the baptism being saved thing? Well, If the Apostle Paul means that you have to be baptized to be saved, isn't that just a different way of putting you under the law? That's just a different requirement than putting you under the law. Now, physical baptism, getting in the pool, getting dunked, going in the lake, going in the river, get whatever it is, it symbolizes union with Christ. So picture the person going into the water. I know that might seem weird for somebody watching it for the first time. That's why when we have baptisms, we explain it. They're going into the water. They are dying. They are going into the grave, and they are being raised in the newness of life. They're filthy, dirty, rotten sinners, and they're going into the water, and they're being cleansed, and they're coming out symbolically cleansed uh, by, by the Lord. And they have a new life in Christ through faith. More importantly, baptism is, is a, the, baptiz- the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit baptizing you, not the actual physical, is the inward reality of the spiritual cleansing and indwelling by faith. We'll talk a little bit more about that in chapter four. So the Apostle Paul is not substituting baptism for circumcision. Now, my Presbyterian friends are getting upset with me right now, and it's okay. When we, when we get to heaven, I won't gloat that I was correct. <laughs> I understand the rationale in, in substituting. A lot of them say that we've just substituted baptism, which anybody can be baptized for circumcision. I'm just not so sure that it's right. It's correct biblically. And so 
what the apostle is doing is he's pointing us to the reality of being saved by grace, made effective by the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here now here we'll rub some um, non-Presbyterians the wrong way. While baptism does not save, it is commanded. It doesn't save, but it is commanded because it is saying to the world it is an outside sign of our salvation and our adoption. Now, a lot of people say, well, I was baptized when I was a baby. That was not your faith. That was your parents' faith. So that's why in our baptism class, we will encourage you to be baptized uh, as a believing adult. And, And in the first century church, in much of the world, to call yourself a follower of Jesus and not to be baptized after trusting in Jesus would be absolutely unthinkable. I mean, people just just would not even do such a thing because this is what you hear a lot from people in the United States. Well, I just need to get better. Well, there's two bits of bad news with that. Number one, you're probably not going to get better. And number two, what are you doing? You're putting yourself back under the law. When you say, I have to get better, you've been saved by grace through faith, you're putting yourself back under the law. Baptism is a matter of identification. It says to the world, I am now a follower of Jesus. I am united to Jesus. I have a new identity. I have put on new clothes I am clothed in Christ. So, verse 28. You ready? Here we go. Here's the big problem one. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about being adopted into the family of God. He says, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. What is he saying? Well, of course there's Jews and of course there's Greeks. What is he saying? When it comes to the gospel, there is no racial discrimination. There is no, there's no such thing as a Jew, no such thing as a Greek. We're either in Christ or we're not in Christ. There is neither slave nor free. I think he's talking there about economic discrimination, Sadly, in many ways, some people believe that Bible-believing churches are largely becoming, in the United States, part of the landscape of the suburbs. Uh, While the prosperity gospel is stealing the cities, now the Bible is just really being taught in the suburbs. But the, the reality is there's no slave nor free. There is no economic discrimination. There is neither male nor female. Now, I know in the United States, some people want to say that. But let me tell you something, I know for a fact, I married my wife and she's a girl and I like the fact that she's a girl. I always tell her the fact that. Sometimes I'll say, why why are you like that? She goes, because I'm a girl. What is he saying? There's no gender discrimination. Just like there was no gender discrimination in the inheritance in the gospel, there's no gender discrimination. And baptism gave women an equality that circumcision did not. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So through faith, 
Those who believe are of the same family. But that does not mean we are all the same. Do we get that? We're all part of the same family, but it doesn't mean that we're all the same. The Apostle Paul has not abolished roles. He has not abolished functions. He has not abolished systems of authority. And the funny thing is, he is the primary teacher of such things. But a lot of people would say that some of these things, verse 28, eliminates, but he's the guy who's always touting that stuff. He is simply saying there is equality in salvation and it's not to be at the expense of anything that God has put into place. It is not to be at the expense of order in the family or order in the church. Now, he mentions three things here that I think are of particular importance for us to understand as Christians. One thing he, re- he uh, mentions is race. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Let us understand something and let us understand this well. If you want to say there's such a thing as race, okay, we all, just, we all got the same uh, you know, parental line. We all come from Adam or from Noah, depending upon how you want to, to uh, you know, slice that pie. But your race, whether it's yellow, black, yellow, black, or white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Race is sacred. It is sacred. It is, it is someone created a certain way in the image of God. How dare anybody calling on the name of Christ be against someone because of their race? He talks here about there's no slave or free. That's economic standing. I would consider that to be providential. God in his providence has has not created someone necessarily that way, but, but he knows that some people will become rich, some people will become poor, most of us will be in between. Remember in the Proverbs, it says, give me neither riches nor poverty. The other thing he talks about here is he says, there's no man or woman. That is our sexuality. Our sexuality is sacred. It is a way that we have been created in the image of God, and God has created us, and we have different, different chromosomes, different, different makeup. We are, to, we are to express ourselves as men and women. Being in Christ transforms the way we see our brothers and sisters. Being in Christ transforms the way that we see the world And the Apostle Paul here, I think, is subtly telling us something is so important for us to remember. We are Christians. We are followers of Jesus before we are anything else. Before we are anything else. And when you begin to live your life thinking that way, that will make a huge difference in the decisions you make And the way you live, when you're tempted, when you want to do something wrong, tax season, ha, ha, ha. Remember that you are a Christian before anything else. So very important to remember that. 
Race and culture has divided people for ages, and to me, personally, I think that race and culture is one of the most beautiful parts of common grace. I love to hear, and it makes me personally laugh out loud when people see something and they go, oh, my people would never do that. <laughs> or guess what Guess what we do in, in our culture, you know? And uh, we had a friend came over one time from South America when we had guinea pigs, and he goes, are you going to eat them? And we're like, what? He goes, oh, yeah, man, that we call that gui. That's a delicacy in our, our culture. I thought that was so cool. I thought that was so funny. I love to hear when different cultures, when we have meals here and people bring different food from, from, from different cultures. I just think it's, it's so wonderful. I remember one time somebody brought one of the things to one of the small group I was in and, and, and they said, oh, you better be careful about that, Pastor Jim. That's voodoo food you might be eating there. <laughs> I was laughing so hard, you know, and people just not taking themselves so ultra seriously and, 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 it's wonderful that God created us differently. To me, it would be a great shame to lose the sacred race and cultural distinctions that God has given us. They're absolutely wonderful. But the Judaizers, they wouldn't honor that. What did they say? You have to become a Jew. You can't be who God has created you. You have to become a Jew. Gospel comes along and says, no, that's not true. That's not true at all. Next, he moves on to money. To judge people on how much money they have or make is unbiblical. Yet, at the same time, the Bible tells us that we have to work. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. The Bible tells us repeatedly, especially in the Proverbs, to be wise with our money. But a true church is, is integrated, not segregated. Not on race, not on culture, not on economic status. Interesting, in the church growth movement strategy of growing a large church, they teach market segmentation. They teach that you are to supposed to go after a certain group, and that is the group that you shoot for, and that is the group you appeal to. But the gospel has established a new humanity, social class, as it pertains to salvation. There is total equality. As people united to Christ, we are united to one another. Are we different? Yes. And we should celebrate God's creativity. Do we have different roles? Absolutely yes. And we should embrace the role that God and the giftedness that God has given to us and do it with all the might and all the gusto we have and don't say, well, I'm just a blank. That's just a bunch of baloney. Do it with all you have. So we're united to Christ, we're united to others, we have different roles. Do we have different values, though, in the kingdom? No way. No way. Different roles on earth might have different values in a paycheck, but that's not the way it is in heaven. We are God's children. Men and women, male and female, is another sacred distinction that is often distorted in the Apostle Paul says here, in salvation, there is no distinction. I tell you, my Pam and I, we spend so much time laughing, hysterically laughing about how different we are. 
about just we are so different in so many ways and 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 some are just personality ways but some are some are male and female and yet we are different but one is not better than the other we treat those differences as sacred as as something that god has brought us together to be husband and wife and, and to treat that as a sacred sacred thing Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archived broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now. And please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.